What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Mongols Podcast, sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. I'm Mike. With me is Josh and Hounds play by playman Matt Geica. Together, we'll be discussing the Riverhounds' historic win over Indy. We'll get Matt's thoughts on what's different about the team this year. We'll preview Tuesday's Loudon match and more. Let's go! I think that's a great question. Now we got to get into the nitty-gritty. Matt, welcome back to the show, man. My pleasure. What a time to join you guys after one of the more enjoyable nights I've had on this gig um, and also at Highmark Stadium. Just um, a tremendous payoff, I think, for a lot of devotion and love and support. So it's just really cool when everything comes together like it did on Saturday. So I was thrilled that I had the show after the indie game. I was going to say, you're having fun, right? It sounds like you're having uh, fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the Brett goal... Um, it just shocked me. I just Oof. said, wow, I think. My voice literally cracked. You can't even hear it, though, <laughs> because the crowd erupts, and Gene and Paul are just going buck wild, as they usually do. So <laughs> I got bailed out of that one. I know some of my high school buddies would want to punch me in the arm like they used to um, when my voice would crack when I was, like, 15. <laughs> so um, that's the first time that's happened on the air. It just it shows how much of a surprise that was. that The goal was scored, and it looked as beautiful as it did. And from then on, it felt like everything was was coming up hounds, in fact, from the rain delay on. So it felt like a big 80-minute party after the delay, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah no doubt. Um, well, let's do this. Obviously, we had two wins this week. So, Josh, for the 1-0 win over Memphis, you want to go ahead and... Uh... Yeah, so there's a victory beverage. I, I don't have a really a lot to say about the game in Memphis. It felt like the hounds went in, they took care of business, walked away with a win, got the three points... I mean, we were playing a lot of guys who, you know, aren't typically starting. Um, some starters, but, you know, got the goal off of a Greenspan header. And after that, just sort of shut it down and walked away with the three points we needed. I mean. Yeah, I mean, that that uh, uh, kick from Mertz was just uh, perfectly laid up for him. And it's just Greenspan has been killing it these last couple of games, especially. Like, it just seems like every single game I'm, I'm noticing him being more and more of an important piece as far as now not just the defense but also uh the attack i i made the comment on twitter during the next game which we'll get to here in a second about kenny forbes and how if he's not on sort of the usl's first team of the year then the usl isn't watching these games but i think you could make the argument for greenspan as well i mean matt you know you you've sort of seen him progress from last season into this season there's you know i i struggle to put words to it what are your thoughts on greenspan it's fun to see him get involved in the attack, too. Um, he's obviously dominant in the air, but he's a weapon on set pieces. And what that's a couple of corner kicks he's converted early in big games on the road in the last couple of months. He had the one at New York, of course, in the 2-1 win. and ended up being Brett getting the winner at late. But Greenspan helped them get their uh, equilibrium back. That tied the score. And this one was just as big because they were playing on short rest. Two days rest, two full days rest, I guess, if you want to call it at Memphis to get the lead. Some of the guys at, at training last week said maybe that hurt them because they fell back a little bit. They didn't push for that second goal as much as maybe they should have. But I felt like that was uh, enormous to get on the board at that early juncture. So he's come up in some large moments. And when you have that size, um, I think we always think, yeah, he's going to be great in the air on head balls. And, and he has been at, at both ends here. I believe that's three goals on the year for him now. And, and I don't know how many he's prevented. At the defensive end, it's any ball you send in. The Nashville game was a pretty good example of that. Any ball you send in, he's probably going to win it if it's within the 18-yard box or it's within a few strides away. I have a hard time seeing anyone who's going to grab that. And I think that gives so much comfort to his teammates. It's hard to properly rate that in, in some sort of a, a numerical or objective term. So that's one of those things that's difficult to, to put down and, and, and quantify, but it's definitely there, and it's definitely a real thing. Yeah, no doubt. Um, but, yeah, I mean, kudos to the guys. I think this is the type of game that, going back to last season, I would have been much more nervous about. Um, and, you know, I think, Josh, I don't know if some of your 
Evertonianism has rubbed off on me, but like, <laughs> there's always that little lingering in the back of my mind. Like, I'm like, yeah, we could do this, but you know, I'm like, like, please, let's do this. And they went in and they took care of business. I think that actually might be from the couple of years when you first started doing this podcast uh, <laughs> uh, for the Hounds. I mean, let's let's be honest; those those first couple of years in the Highmark era were not the the prettiest. Well, besides one, but that's besides the point. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, let's let's move from you know maybe not the prettiest game, but again, we got the result to. I I was sort of thinking in my mind the lead up to this indie game and how um it had the potential to be the most important game in Hound's history and I know that probably sounds like a stretch and I'm going to I'm, I'm going to let you guys sort of argue either for or against that point but basically everything leading up to this you know basically you had sort of the whole rebrand um this was the Hound's opportunity to jump into basically first place at Highmark, at home, against another team that was near the top of the table in the East. Um, we had been talking sort of all season about it'd be great to just get a top four spot and just get a home playoff game. This has the potential, you know, if we land in first to get all home playoff games, which, like, just, you know, picture that for a minute. Um, Matt, you might be a busy guy heading in here for the next month. but <laughs> Be happy to be. Exactly. <laughs> it, it, it's But it's it's it could be that not necessarily a turning point, but this is what everything has been building to. You bring in Lily last year, you do the rebrand, you start to restructure the team. Last year was sort of this, this building. And we all sort of thought we could get there. And I think even talking to Tuffy afterwards, he sort of said like, yeah, you know, we all said we could do it, but we were kind of thinking like, maybe not. And then you talk to people this preseason, even Lily was saying like, we're, we're going for it this year. And, you know, just a, you know, a few short weeks ago, we weren't thinking that first is possible. And here we are, you know, potentially jumping up into first, um, with the potential to keep pushing, looking at the teams ahead of us, and uh, end the season in first and really make a run of things. And this is setting a new standard for this team. So am I crazy, Matt, in sort of thinking that, in hindsight, you look at it, it's a 3 nothing win, and the Hounds sort of made it look easy. But do you think that we might look back on this game, you know, a year or two down the road and think that this could be a turning point for this team? Well, yeah, I think so. I would push back on your thought that it was the biggest game in um, even in Highmark Stadium history, the playoff game last year was the biggest game because that uh, if they won that, that put them one step closer to a championship more directly. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. This one, maybe symbolically, I, I could uh, throw you a bone there and say that I understand where you're coming from on that. But either way, it was huge. And to get the results, whether it was 1-0, 5-4, 3-0, I think is uh, or was critical. And that's the most important part. We could argue about how well they played against Indy and, and all of that, but they got the three points and in the stretch they're in right now with five matches in I think 15 days, it is about the result and, and that grind and, and getting some contributions from all through the, the team, the regular 11 and then the bench and maybe some guys that don't usually get some about that later, but it does seem to all be coming together and you look at even the standings, guys, the last few weeks, it just feels like whenever there is a result that could go the Hounds way, it has. Now I know that Tampa uh, came back and, and got a draw somehow at Louisville, <laughs> being down two going into the 85th on Saturday. So that stung a little bit, but for right now, the the, uh, the main purpose is to get that home playoff game, and um, they're in a pretty good spot right now, but still not a great spot. Uh, but everything is still there on the table for them. So uh, what they did this past Saturday, I think it puts them into a different category, and I feel like you, you see that across the uh, the board here with the team going to the top of the USL championship power rankings, uh, very subjective, obviously, but that's the type of win that makes you get taken seriously. <laughs> that's the type of win that makes you get taken seriously, though, and, and, and they pulled it off. Full credit to them. Yeah. Josh, do you agree with Matt or do you agree with me? Uh, no, so I feel like it's the most important game that we've played this season at Highmark. I mean, I can be very much, you know, narrowing down there, but that's only right now because it's going to be more important games here coming up and uh speaking of that i just forgot oh yeah there, there's a second one josh josh is gonna have a good by uh this victory beverage beverage brought to you by uh the brickyard battalion uh thank you very much for the beers uh, at the tailgate indie supporters group anyway uh so yeah uh most important game of the season thus far until we make the playoff or until we have our first home playoff game and then our second one and then our third one and then okay 
<laughs> biggest regular season game. How about that? Biggest regular season yes. game in yeah. Highmark Stadium history. I'm willing to go there. That's okay. fair. Now, this is why I like having you guys on here is to like not necessarily talk me down, but I don't like it when people agree with me. So that's good. Um, Done. Historically, uh. <laughs> yes. I mean, because the this is the team's seventh shutout in a row, which, again, like it's huge and i think that was part of the reason why matt you alluded to or you mentioned that um you know hound's number one in the power ranking is that's that's really difficult to ignore my question matt to you is based on who the hounds have left do you think that this continues through the end of the season no i don't i at some point you're gonna let one squeak in heck they had uh, they had given up the first goal and all but uh, the literal sense dane kelly yeah. and how he didn't walk that one in in the fifth minute, another situation where you say, maybe things are going the Hounds way. Maybe this is just that year where events converge. And if you've followed this team for even a couple of years, you know that doesn't often happen for this team. So it it's kind of amazing when you do see these stars align. And um, uh, But to your, to your point, they have, what, three road games left? I'm not saying they're going to give up one to Loudon, but it's going to be really difficult to hold St. Louis and Birmingham both off the board. They're both fighting with everything they have to get into the playoffs so those are two really rough assignments which i think enhances the importance of loudon on tuesday and atlanta on saturday you take care of business there and then maybe you can split those results at the end and hopefully you still end up in a pretty darn good spot so the time to make hay is still now and then at the end it's not going to be a cruise to the finish line for sure yeah josh you agree yeah, I mean, it would be nice. It would be wishful thinking, though, I think, to uh, believe that we're going to keep a, a clean sheet for the rest of these games. And even Loudon. I mean, Loudon, I don't know if they've completely given up, but technically they still have mathematical chance to the playoffs. It's very, very, very mm-hmm. unlikely, but they're not eliminated yet. In fact, they're the only team, I think, in the bottom four right now that have not been uh, eliminated because they have games in hand. Yeah. So it, it is like, you know, these teams still have stuff to play for. Uh, so it's it's not going to be a cakewalk. And we're playing off of, you know, a Tuesday game going to a Saturday game. We had the last Saturday game. So, like, tired legs, that kind of stuff, we might fall through a little bit, but as far as the teams we're going to be playing uh, while we have tired legs, this is probably the best case scenario for that, getting Atlanta too and Loudon. So it is possible, but I'm not I'm not holding my breath for it. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Matt, you mentioned sort of the the bounce that uh, you know Indy took one off the post. Indy actually had two off the post. Mm-hmm. So you know you 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 often talk about soccer being a game of bounces and it felt like at times last year the hounds just weren't getting the bounces and it's like you said it seems like this year we are getting the bounces and that's not to take anything away from the three goals which you know we should talk about the three goals um you know nico's goal again matt like you said when he set up to take it there was a little part of me that just said just take the shot like see what happened i never expected it to be on a rope like that and just (laughs) yeah yeah I have no words. It was it was insane. <laughs> Wait, you're like me then, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I wasn't even. Here's a little inside uh, inside baseball, inside soccer, whatever you want to call it. Here inside the booth, I didn't actually know who kicked it because I assumed at first it was going to be Forbes. I looked down at a note that I had. I looked up, and we're not in a great spot at yeah. Highmark Stadium. Uh, no offense to anyone who built the place, but they didn't think about media. It's um, uh, I'm looking at a pillar, actually, so I have to look either to my left or to my right to see out those windows because I'm between Gene and Paul. So I looked at the monitor, then I looked uh, through the windows, and I looked up. It's kind of it's dark at that point. It's Yeah, it's late. It's past 8 o'clock, and I, I was pretty sure that was Nico, but I had to wait for him to run over to me before I could definitely say it, it's Brett. So talk about some nervousness to go with that. I want to nail the call, too. Um, but it's just weird. He doesn't, he doesn't take those free kicks, typically. It's almost always Kenny. So um, one of those once-in-a-lifetime hits, right? I'm not sure I've seen a hound strike a ball cleaner than that, not since Rob Vincent was yeah. a hound. That, that sort of reminded me it was a Rob Vincent goal. Yeah. Exactly. I said the same thing. I was watching the highlights uh, when I got home just because, you know, you're in the Seal Army section. It's kind of hard to see exactly what's going on sometimes. Uh, it gets a little bit crazy. So I'm watching the highlights, and as soon as I watched it go in again, I was like, that that's a Rob Vincent goal. That is I that is chills when you see that and just the power it had and the excitement from everyone and it just felt like it almost felt like pressure was off at that moment for 
in the Steel Army section at least. Like as soon as that goal went in, we're like, okay, let's do this because that we didn't really talk about the rain delay, uh, the lightning delay, but the the delay before that, it felt like we were kind of slipping and it didn't feel like momentum was on our side. And I was really worried that, you know, we were going to see a tough, tough game. But then that delay happened. And I feel like, you know, Bob did Bob or whatever. And uh, <laughs> I'm sure he said a couple words to the guys in the locker room. Probably not much. I'm sure he was very brief. Right. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, when they came yeah. back out. <laughs> Yeah. Well, let's give credit to the leaders, too, in that room, because you have Kevin Curry, you have Canardo Forbes, yeah. Joe Greenspan, third-year hound, Toby Adewale, third-year hound, um, Steven Dos Santos, 40 USL goals. Uh, Nico Brett, at this point, is a USL veteran. So I think we we can fall into the trap of often talking about Bob and what did Bob do to rally the troops. Well, a lot of times the troops have to rally themselves, right? True, true. So um, I think all of them just took a breath there and realized they're better than this. Because after the delay, it was a totally different team. So I don't know yeah. what you chalk that up to. Um, I hope there's a sports psychologist listening. Maybe they can help us out. A mental reset was definitely engaged at that point while they were sitting in the room for an hour and 20 minutes or whatever it was. Yeah. And, you know, not to be outdone by Nico, Kenny said, you know, go ahead. I'm going to take mines, too. And <laughs> basically set up to a very similar goal that he had last season where he just sort of Again, he was probably 20, 25 yards out, cut across the middle. And it, it it was one of those situations where I think a lot of times fans start thinking, just have a shot. Just, like, see what happens. And this was a case where Kenny just put his head down and ripped it upper 90 inside post and just buried. It was another scorcher. And, I mean, to see one of those in a game is pretty rare for a Hounds match. But to see two of them, I mean... Wow. Uh, again, I, I I don't know what else can be said about Kenny that we haven't already said. Matt, what what are your thoughts on sort of Kenny as the leader and sort of what he means to this team so far this year? I thought it was interesting how he said after the match that it was my turn to step up. Like he can just decide to score two goals. <laughs> uh, two beauties. The, the second one had more of like a schoolyard uh, street ball quality to it, uh, yeah. the way that he pulled off the little swerve step move, whatever you want to call it and somehow found the angle with the outside foot. I, I, I'm not really sure. That looked like alchemy to me, some kind of wizardry. <laughs> so um, he was magical. And well, first of all, the first goal, I believe, was a result of the Hounds possessing it. They were more patient coming out of the rain delay. Indy w was just on its heels at that point. And so you saw the defenders backing off, backing off. So Forbes is pretty good at knowing what's the right play to make. And, and that's what you want out of your your midfielder, your general, your guy in the middle, your captain, whatever you want to label him. Um, he is he, he's the one that has his hand on the on the tilt and he knows when to speed it up, when to slow it down for the most part. It, he's had some games over 90 percent passing. So when you're that good, it's not just because you're skilled physically. Uh, it's because you have the mental game to know where to pass it and where it's going to be in a, in a good spot. What, what's going to be a high percentage type of play. So. That was the type of game that, well, I guess I'll, I'll spoil it for later, but that's why I voted him as MVP, because I think he controls everything. It's easier for a midfielder to control everything, but he really does. And no matter where he plays, sometimes he's further receded, sometimes he's further up in the attack, but either way, the play goes through him. And when they're playing well, he's playing well. It's no coincidence. Yeah, without a doubt. I think Nico uh, made the joke after the game that that was Kenny's high school move because I guess he does it all the time at practice. And, like, it just it, – I think it was against Carl we met, too. There was a lot of discussion about Carl mm -hmm. we met, who was involved in the in the Parks incident <laughs> years ago, and he just doesn't have a good time at Highmark. So, um, yeah, kudos to Kenny. I, big players show up in big games, and this was a game where, again, you know, Kenny always plays well, but this was a case where he – like you said, Matt, he just said, I'm going to step up and I'm going to do it. And he did it. So, yeah, kudos to Kenny. Um, Matt, I think, you, I think you mentioned, we were on Twitter just going back and forth about things. Was it Kenny's goal that you said you saw Lily with a double fist pump? Yeah, the second one. I have a great angle there because I'm looking down. We're on the, um, from my perspective, the right side of the, the, uh, the grandstand. And so I'm looking past the Hounds bench toward that goal in front of the front office and, and the entrance, the main entrance and the bar and everything. So that goal goes in, and it's just in my line of sight. I see Lily with both hands overhead, both fists pumped. He doesn't do that typically. No, he doesn't do that. 
I think maybe it was also some of some shock like like I had for the Brett goal. Many of us did. But I think part of it was, yeah, we pulled it off. This was the game we were building up for, and we did it. And I talked to him the day before the match, and he said, it's going to take all we have, but we're pulling energy from being around these leaders. He felt like maybe they should be playing a little more tired than they were. And Memphis, you might have seen it. I think second half, they were definitely falling back. But at home, with this opportunity to move into at least a tie for first place, they were inspired by it. And I think that was just the release for Bob. Like, okay, two goals, maybe we got it. Three goals, we definitely have it with, what, 20-odd minutes ago. From that point on, it was a celebration. So when you see a guy like that, and I think, Josh, you, uh, you shared a photo of, of Bob on the Steel Army Discord, and um, it, it's just beautiful. It's a beautiful thing to see that guy smile because yeah. you know he's tough to please. So that's, it's, it's newsworthy, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was pretty cool after the game, seeing like all the guys be excited. Like, So we're walking up to him, and they're, they're signing autographs from the kids, and, and they don't know what the results are for the other teams yet. So as soon as they see one of us, they're like, hey, hey, uh, you got the, the table? What's going on? What's going on? Like, who won? Who won? And like, they're just, they want to know, and they, they're excited. And seeing that passion and that excitement, and like, they're, they're you know, they're ready for this. They're, they're waiting for this. They want this. And then also seeing, I think, uh, right after some of the player interviews, I look over and I see Bob and Tuffy talking and both of them just grinning and like just it just looked like, yes. <laughs> so it was it was definitely uh, unbridled uh, excitement and just happiness on the field after the game. And it was it was a good time. It was one of the best times I've had at Highmark in a very, very long time. And if I may butt in, uh, John Krasinski, my buddy from Pittsburgh Soccer now, and uh, you know he was there late writing up the, the story, the game story. And he left, I think, around, I don't know, 12 o'clock before they locked him in. <laughs> Tends to be a, um, kind of a, a late stayer there at, at the press box. He said Lily was still out in the parking lot holding court, you know, talking about the match at, at midnight. Now, it was a delayed <laughs> two hours after the final. <laughs> so, yeah. so, yeah, he was buzzing. The players were buzzing. And clearly the fans and the broadcasters were. So um, that, that's why you do it, right? For those types of games. And I think it's so cool how in soccer the regular season means more than it does. Like in hockey, it's fun to watch the Penguins start a new season. But um, we all know, especially with where they are in their competitive arc, the games don't really get meaningful until late. With, with soccer and with how this is set up now, where top four get a home playoff, top six get a bye, there's a lot of meaning to, to these games still right now and with how tight the standings are. So it had as close to a playoff atmosphere as it could in the regular year. I mean, it almost had the, the feeling of a breakthrough game. Like, and, and, and this sort of ties back a little bit to my idea that, that you know, could this be one of the biggest games in the history of Highmark? Um, I agree with you. You guys sort of talked me back that it's not the biggest game. But for a lot of reasons, I think everybody had sort of belief in this team that we could beat Indy, and the writing was on the wall. Indy, you know, have lost three, or they've lost their past three, um, even after they had all the games in hand and they were charging up the table. And I know there's a lot of fans in Indy, our, our buddy Brian Cook, who is just left scratching his head about what's going on with the team right now. Um, but it was sort of, I think a lot of us were just expecting the Hounds were going to win this game. But to actually see it happen and see it happen in the fashion that it did and the fact that the team was so excited and Bob and Tuffy were so excited and the fans were so excited, it just felt like this watershed moment where it was like, okay, we're over this hump. We beat Indy. Indy was probably the the toughest challenge at least statistically, that we were going to face the rest of the season. And we were able to come in and put our foot down and do it the way we did. Um, I, I do think, Josh, it, it might harken back to fans that have been around for a while that this was something that there was a little bit of doubt. And, and the Hounds put that doubt to rest in this game. Yeah, it's one of those things where like we've had these this setup game before in the past where it's like, okay, this is our moment. This is when we have to show up. And we don't. You know what I mean? Like we had that with Bethlehem where it's like, okay, this is our moment. This is, you know, we're in the playoffs. We're against Bethlehem, a team we should be able to beat, and we don't. Um, the home opener or the the stadium opener against uh, Harrisburg in 2013. This is our moment. This is the, you know, this is our chance to show the city. This is who the Riverhounds are. We lose. You know what I mean? Like it, it, there's so many moments where we haven't gone over the finish line. We've gotten up to it, and we're, we're about ready to you know crest over that hill, and we just don't. So this was a situation where we saw it, we all knew what needed to happen, and it, and it finally happened. So it, it, 
in a way, I can see what you're saying with it being like one of the biggest games, but it's more of the fact that it's it, we did what we needed to do and we got the job done. And so many times we've had these false starts where we haven't. Now, there's still more games left. We, we're oh, not, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. we're not crossing the finish line right now. But as far as like wins, have we ever been in first place or tied, even tied for first place uh, late in the season ever? No. I was saying early so. in the season. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. How many times have the Hounds gotten off to, geez, those winless starts, 2014, uh, 2016, yeah. um, maybe 2015, they were kind of hot at the start. They came out and scored five goals right away. But, mm-hmm. yeah, past the midpoint of the season, they've not been in this position, not even close, really. Last year, what, they were in second for a little bit, but they were like 15 points behind Cincinnati. So it never felt like yeah. they had a shot. And they haven't won a division or a conference since 2004. So to put that in perspective, that's the only time they've won a division or a conference in the regular season. So, yeah, it's a big deal. It's it's huge. It's the fact that we're at the top of the standings. We're tied for the top of the standings right now. And it's it's huge for this franchise. And I'm really hoping that we see those stands. And, you know, the last home game is next week, which uh, you know, as far as regular season goes. Um, and then going into the playoffs, I'm I want to see that place sold out, and that'd be fantastic. I don't know if it's going to happen for this next game, but for the first home playoff game, it needs to happen. Yeah, Liz was definitely doing her part in the full ninety, asking everybody that that she talked to, "You're going to be here next week, right? You're going to be here next week." <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll be here. Um, guys, I, I mean, obviously, we could go on and on about this game. I guess any other takeaways before we sort of jump over? And we got two big games that we really got to touch on here that are coming up this week. Um, any final thoughts on this one? My last thought on it would be that they won 3-0. There were some beautiful goals. Uh, in the end, uh, Indy was uh, a break or two away from taking that one, or at least taking an early lead, and then it's a lot of a, a lot different game. Yeah. So um, I, w- I wouldn't take any more confidence than the three points gives you uh, from that one. I wouldn't say that they, they were dominant over Indy. I think shots were 12, uh, 14-12 in favor of the Hounds. That's a pretty good gauge i find i know that's what lily always talks about goal or uh, shots and corners he looks at that a lot as opposed to actual raw possession numbers and i understand why because it's productive possession a shot um at goal so in that way i i would not uh, extrapolate it and say that the hounds are the clear favorite in the east or anything right now but they are one of the favorites so and and this past result just validated that yeah yeah, and I would uh, add on to the, uh, we we touched on it a little bit, but just the fact that this clean sheet is our seventh in a row uh, franchise history. Was it four, four or five before this? Five was the record, so now five, yeah. we're we're two above that, and just kind of like setting this record. And it's it's really cool to see that you know that's even one more thing to be excited for this season. Uh, the records that are being set, and it's it's just it's a fun time. I believe, uh, Mike. I think you might have said this on Twitter or something like that. But this is these are the good times or something like that. Uh, enjoy them. So yeah, this these are the good times right now. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, and I think Matt to sort of echo what you said. I, there were definitely things that the Hounds could clean up. This wasn't a it wasn't as dominating a performance as the score line shows, but again, you get the three points. So it's, it's kind of like hearkening back to that Memphis game. It wasn't pretty, but they got the three points, which is what you need at this point in the season. And you just keep rolling because earlier in the season, we were, you know, complaining about all of the draws and we're not getting draws right now. We're getting wins, which is exactly what you need. You need to stay hot as you go into the playoffs. So um, kudos to the team there. Guys, uh, you know, you look at the standings. We've said it a number of times here. The hounds are currently tied for first, uh, basically, we have Nashville ahead of us, but we also have a game in hand on Nashville. We both are tied at 58 points. Um, Nashville was able to get a win in their most recent match. Um, but, you know, we have this game here on Tuesday against Loudon, where as long as we get a point, we'll then be even with Nashville on games played, and we'll be at least one point ahead of them for sole possession of first place. So this game is pretty big. Looking at sort of, you know, who else is doing what, literally... Three or four weeks ago, I think we were looking at sort of the top four and thinking, okay, the top four is probably going to be the top four or five, um, which has pretty much stayed the case. You still have Nashville, Pittsburgh, New York, Tampa, Indy. Um, Louisville is starting their ascent, but they're still five points off um, from Indy at this point, so I don't think they're going to crack that top five. But, you know, when you sort of look at the last three games, we have two wins and a draw. Nashville have two wins and a draw. New York has two losses and a draw. Indy have lost all three, 
And Tampa have one loss, a draw, and a win. So, again, when it comes to taking care of business, the Hounds draw came against Nashville when you're playing with 10 men. So I think that was a game, again, that could have gone very differently had Toby not been shown that red card, um, which we won't. I'm still mad about that because it (laughs) robbed us of a a showdown. I think it's the top two teams in the East. I really do. Um, and all we got was 40 minutes of it, so that still ticks me off. Yeah, I was going to say, we won't open that can, but man, go ahead, Matt. I mean, like... <laughs> well, yeah, I was talking to the players about that, too. Canardo Forbes just shook his head when I brought it up uh, <laughs> because they felt like they were in that one, um, yeah. and they felt like they were playing a pretty good road game. I thought the same. Mm-hmm. Then after that, yeah, it was fun to watch them batten down the hatches, but at the same time, you wanted to see them. I wanted to see them go toe-to-toe for yeah. 90 and see who was superior. Maybe we'll find out in the East final or something. Who knows? I was going to say, yeah, that could be yeah. a good chance for the rematch there um, and uh, really see who comes out on top. But I agree. I think we, we missed an opportunity there. So, yeah, I mean, a lot. The, the table feels like it's been changing constantly. Josh, the the Steel Army keeps using the meme. It, you know, everything's coming up Millhouse, which you mentioned that, like, some people don't understand the reference. Um <laughs> Yeah, I'm them. starting to realize that the Simpsons maybe aren't as uh, topical as they used to be. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? But yeah, yeah, everything's coming to Millhouse, as in, you know, everything is falling the way we want it to fall. Um, but something to keep in mind with that uh, game against Loudon coming up here is the fact that uh, Nashville, that's who they just got their three points off of last game, was against Loudon. So, you know, it's our turn to get the three points <laughs> off Loudon. But, you know, tit for tat. Let's just get get it going are you saying we deserve three points again is that what you're insinuating here josh yeah (laughs) (laughs) yes uh yeah yeah well well, i'm not a fan of these it's hard to predict these two teams because who knows what their lineup's gonna be you know you're looking at like 40 possible players it's also bothersome from a broadcasting perspective i'm trying to learn 40 guys so you you try to nail it down and see who's the most likely to to play And, and usually home uh, lineups are better for these two teams as well because they're closer, obviously, to the parent club. So a lot of times that's the case. So playing them on the road is a little more scary than playing them at home at Highmark. And they're also mostly made of younger players, which typically have more erratic performances. So again, it's uh, difficult to say what we're gonna what we're gonna see. So um, more confident about the Atlanta game, I'll say that than um, than loud. Even though Atlanta's had some good results lately too. Yeah. Matt, I got to ask you, because I'm always impressed whenever we play any teams at Highmark that you're that you're calling, obviously, you always seem to know like the nationality of the way players, you might know what college they're from, you might know their background, like, in terms of the homework that you do, do you just have a single cheat sheet? Or do you have like a sheet per player that you sort of like shuffle through when somebody does something and pull stuff up? Uh, That was the case this past week, because I was so busy at work, I just had to go off the game notes from Indy. I was fortunate. I called the U.S. Open Cup match this year um, on Facebook Live, so I did that. But um, I hadn't seen them in a few months, and occasionally you just have to trust the preparation and maybe uh, fake it to make it a little bit. But usually, yeah, I'm able to write down. I want to always write it down because I read that your brain remembers things better when you write as opposed to type. I know a lot of broadcasters type out their spotting charts or whatever you want to call them. I have, a, I have a game book. It's actually a hockey game book, but I repurpose it for soccer quite often. It works really well. So there's a spot for each guy, and then there's some space to write notes. And it's a lot of, uh, a lot of small writing, but I get the, <laughs> get the age in there. I get the nationality. If it's college soccer, I like to mention that because it makes, I think, uh, the player a little more relatable to the, to the audience, you know, where he went to school, if you know the school, that sort of thing. Um, I just try to get as much in there without overloading it and then – you don't want to have a thousand things on each guy, but you want to get the notable things and at least the vitals. So that's what I have. And certain things stick with you better than others. I don't know why it's a mystery of, of the, (laughs) of the brain and everything like that. And why certain connections and certain players tend to stick, but I do take a lot of pride in it. And I want to make sure that if you are a fan of the visiting team, that I'm giving them their due and, I'm going to get more excited for the Hounds. Obviously, Gene and Klein are going to get or Gene and, uh, and Paul are going to get more excited for the Hounds. Um, but um, I also want to appreciate good play, and I want to um, just give people I, – I always feel like if you're watching, to know a little bit about the opposing team also gives you some context, and, and you can learn something. And I think it helps you become a better fan of the league in general too, which is also what we're going for, right? We're trying to sell the USL as, um, as a good entertainment option, and 
I feel like it's made strides. So I, I try to give these guys as much do as I can, whether they're wearing the black and the gold or some other color. No, we, we definitely appreciate it. Um, something that just came to mind, is there a team that you sort of look at when you have to call them? I, part of the time, whenever something happens, I'm, I'm immediately sort of looking for a number or a name, and you've already got the person out there. And I'm like, how does he even see that? Is there a team that has a uniform that you like either see in oh. preseason that you're just like, ah, <laughs> oh, crap, like this is going to be hard? Yeah, this is a big pet peeve. They never think of the broadcasters when they design some of these uniforms. However, I will say the USL, I think they standardized their uniform sets a couple of years ago. You'll notice they all have the same number font, mm -hmm. which is nice. So that's good compared to like college athletics where I once called a football game um, at Marshall where I went to school. We were playing Central Florida, uh, relevant to Pitt fans, I guess, recently. But they had white jerseys with uh, light gold lettering. What were they thinking? I couldn't tell who anybody was. You're just you're guessing, you're you're hemming, you're hawing, you're trying to buy time until you figure it out. I think the hardest, um, but yeah, the, the colors on North Carolina this year were challenging. It was like a gold on a white. And the good thing about soccer is you have the tactical sheet. I try to draw it out too. That's also a good cheat or uh, or a helper, I guess if you want to call it that way, uh, call it uh, that label. So you generally know where guys are and where they're going to be. If someone's all the way over on the left flank, it's only going to be two or three guys so yeah. you just use process of elimination but sometimes yeah you got to buy time you say oh the goal scored and what a play blah 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 and then you figure it out later so um mike emmerich does a great job of that by the way if you're a hockey fan he'll if he doesn't i can always tell him he doesn't see the number because he'll you know use some phraseology or whatever to buy himself a little bit of time so if you're watching a, a broadcast of his next time Listen for that. It's just all part of the tricks of the trade, I guess, that you pick up over the years. That's awesome. Um, Matt, we're going to stay on you here for just a minute. Uh, you know, we, we, you already sort of revealed who you thought your MVP was. We, we had Grubba on a few weeks ago, and we hit him with a few questions just because, you know, you guys aren't always on. We like to get your, your insight. Um, in terms of we, – we had a lot of discussion about uh, statistically – um, you know, Justin and Steve did a really good job of sort of proving that this year's Hounds team is better than last year's team um, from a statistics standpoint. I think that considering the late run of games and, and how the team has been thus far, it's hard to make an argument that this team isn't better. I guess in your mind, being close to the team, what do you sort of point at as maybe the one or two differences that you've sort of seen between this year and last year that you really think have made this team as good as they are this late in the season? Well, it took a while, but I think eventually that word that Lily used frequently in the preseason, sophistication on the attack, I think we've seen it come to the forefront here. All you got to do is look at conversion rate in the USL and the Hounds, or at least they were tied with Phoenix going into the match on Saturday. They may even be above them now. I haven't checked it since then, but I'm not sure I saw them as the best finishing team in the 36-team USL championship. So um, it, it's come to the forefront. Maybe some of that is a little bit of luck. You need some luck in finishing. And you need to avoid some bad luck, too. But overall, I think it's happened. And Steven Dos Santos, he's right up there in terms of MVP voting for me because he has polished off some of those chances. He scored some early goals. Early goals are very important. It changes the game. Um, it's so much different going into the half at 1-0 or going into the 60th, 70th, 80th minute up um, than it is going in down. So... Um, the timing of those goals have been important. But if I had to point to one thing, I think they're just as organized defensively after some early hiccups. They got to about May. After that, uh, they, they blew the lead against Charleston. I think it was 2-0 uh, they led early down there. Uh, it was one of the Steel Army watch parties, in fact. I remember being depressed walking out of there. <laughs> Smoking <laughs> Joe's. Um, but after that, yeah, they blew a lead to Ottawa, but part of that was on uh, a goalie gaff from Austin Pack. He'll tell you. He just dropped it. Uh, and it, it led to the tie there. But ever since then, they've been rock solid in protecting these leads. So it's they have all the defensive acumen of last year, but they've added some potency and a little more poise and patience on the ball, like we saw against Indy. They can take the air out of a game or up the tempo and all of a sudden make the opponent uncomfortable. So they have a couple more gears offensively, whereas last year, I love Cristiano Francois, but I think he and Nico are almost too similar. Um, they're both kind of straight-line players. Now you have Dos Santos who can duck and dive and hold up play a little bit. And um, you mix in like a Velarde too. You have Kerr getting up there. You have Robbie Mertz, where revelation he has been too. So there's more variety on the attack. And I think that's been a – it's made a difference because they have more options to try to unlock the defense in situations where 
things aren't going their way. Maybe they don't get that 1-0 win against Loudon or Charleston last year. Maybe that ends 0-0, and we're talking about, well, we hope they get top four in the table. Yeah, no, well said. And you had mentioned that uh, you, you pick Kenny Forbes as your MVP. Looking at this team, who do you think is, at least in your mind, it's hard to say, you know, we, we, we spent a lot of time talking about all of these players, but um, who do you think yeah. is maybe the most underrated or the most undervalued, at least in terms of the feel that you're getting um, when watching these games? I'll give you two names right now. First name that comes to mind is Toby Adewale, and he's a third-year hound, so he is the third longest tenured <laughs> hound right now. Uh, it's Kerr at seven years, and it's it's Greenspan and Adewale tied at three. I'm not sure exactly the timeline who came in first in 2017, but um, I think it might have been Adewale, actually. So he might be the second um, longest tenured, in fact. But um, Greenspan does get – I think he does get credit. I think people notice him because he wins all the balls, so many clearances. But uh, Toby's pretty strong back there, too, and he's often – tasked with uh, roaming a little bit further from the goal um, compared to Joe. Maybe this last week wasn't a good example because Joe was marking up Tyler Pasher pretty closely away from from the 18. But I think uh, overall, Toby's asked to, to track the quicker players a little more often, and he's a big man himself. So he's done a, a nice job there. And his passing rate out of the back is good. Now, a lot of times those are pretty simple passes out of the back, so you grade on a curve with defenders. But his is right up there with anybody. So I think he's a, a key piece, and he's played so much. When he missed the match because of the red card suspension, it was like, wow, big number two's not back there. That's, yeah. that's odd. So um, I'll give you him. And recently, I think it's Mohamed Dabo, too. I realized what the Hounds were missing. He wins the ball back. He is strong, um, strong on his feet, strong in the upper body, too. And he's actually he's interesting because when he's deployed further up the pitch, it's a little different, but he can't. I think you guys mentioned this last week where – uh, he played further up. I forget which team it was. Against Charleston, maybe? Um, you guys were mentioning it. Or maybe it was Nashville. I think but he started further up in Nashville. Yeah. Yeah. He can help you win balls there if you think the game is going to be played more at that point on the pitch. So it, a lot of it, it comes down to where Bob deploys him. I think Bob's pretty much a genius when it comes to moving the chess pieces around. But Dabo's an important guy, and I'm glad that he's back to health and back in a semi-rotation because I think they're going to need him. Yeah. No, those are two definitely, I mean, Toby, we, we talk a little bit about, and I, I think I put it on Twitter that we've joked that if Joe, Joe Greenspan is Superman, then we need, we need a good superhero for Toby. So Toby, if you have yeah. one that you prefer, let us know. You didn't, you didn't particularly like any of the ones, you liked the, the question, but you didn't like any suggestions people threw out there. So we know <laughs> that you get into that stuff. So let us know what you think. Um, and Dabo, again, you know, it's tough because I think we've always said that the sign of a great holding defender which again he or, or holding midfielder which he hasn't necessarily been playing is that you don't talk about them that much and the number of times that i look up and it, plays are just happening but i'm not realizing that it's dabo it's it's very few and far between because he's just doing the job um and it's not flashy but it's like you said matt he's strong on his feet he's strong upper body he wins the ball back and he he feeds the ball to people like kenny or mertz or kerr who then turn around and do the flashy stuff so I think those are two great, um, great underrated picks. Um, the uh, the Dabo thing also, a little story there. Um, I also work for Robert Morris University, and I'm working with both the men's and the women's soccer teams. Obviously, Nico Brett is a, a grad of Robert Morris. So uh, after our game on Sunday, Nico was there, and uh, it was funny. He called uh, our coach, Bill Dennison, dad. That was pretty uh, endearing, I thought. Um <laughs> But uh, he brought Muhammad along with him. I think they're, I don't know if they're roommates or, or Nico's just taking him under his wing a little bit. So that's pretty cool to see. Yeah. I've seen Nico and, and Mo Dabo at a couple of Robert Morris practices this year. So hanging out together. And remember, Dabo is from Senegal. I don't know how often he gets to go home. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, maybe uh, Nico's taken it upon himself to be uh, a leader in that way, away from the field. So that's a little tidbit I wanted to make sure I squeezed in here today. That's awesome. Um, you love to hear that. I mean, we, we've talked so much about how the team can be a family and the, and, and supporting the families of the teams as well as the players themselves. And, uh, so when you hear stories like that, that's always the feel good stuff that you want to hear about what's going on in the locker room and outside of the team and things like that. So I appreciate you sharing. Um, guys, we got 
two big games coming up this week that we sort of got to touch on. The Hounds obviously have to turn around quickly. Matt, I think you mentioned it. We had five games, or we have five games in 15 days. And so we just finished our third one against Indy. We have two uh, coming up this week, as I mentioned. So we have Loudon on Tuesday, um, which for many of you is today when you're listening to this. Loudon have lost four of their last five. Their only win during that stretch came against the last place, Swope Park. So they're not... This isn't a case where, you know, we'll talk about Atlanta in a minute where they're beating some teams that are in playoff contention. That's not the case here. They aren't technically out of the playoff race yet, as Josh had mentioned, but they're close. I think, you know, Tuesday could do them in. During this during that stretch of the last five games, they've given up 15 goals and they've only scored eight. Four of those goals came in the one game that they won. So really, they're averaging roughly three goals against and roughly one game four. Josh... Your thoughts on this game. I mentioned earlier, you know, do the Hounds deserve three points in this? And that was sort of a joke uh, yeah. aimed at Nashville's announcers who kept saying they thought that Nashville deserved to be in first place. And they felt so wronged that they weren't. But what are your thoughts on this one? So doing a little bit of research as far as MLS goes. So MLS has their last uh, regular season matches on Sunday, uh, this coming up Sunday. Now, that means that D.C. does not play until Sunday, and this game is on Tuesday. So that's a pretty good break in between those two games. And if they want any of their first team to get some minutes to you know, keep them game fit and all that kind of stuff, you might see them in this game. Or, you know, virtually, you might see them sit all their uh, – not bring down any of their MLS guys because they don't want them to get injured or they don't want them to be tired for Sunday's game. And that Sunday game is important because right now DC sits in fourth place and the way it works with MLS playoffs is fourth place plays the fifth place team and fifth place team is New York and they're only one point below them and Toronto is only two points below that. So this game matters for them as far as the MLS game goes. So they, they need their players to be ready and going. So something to keep in mind because I think we're all kind of we know Loudon's not the greatest team and it hasn't been much to watch as far as this season goes, but uh, that could have some impact. I don't know which way, but it's just something to keep in mind. Matt, are you nervous at all about this one? Uh, yeah, a little bit because uh, maybe a letdown factor and maybe just the physical nature of these games catches up to him a little bit. Uh, tough draw to go Tuesday after that, that game, but that is what it is. And it's back to back Tuesday. So if they're going to win, the blueprint's probably pretty close to what it was against Memphis, which means not particularly visually pleasing. <laughs> um, but uh, I wouldn't bet against them finding a way. And it's just, it just takes one point to move into first place and to take that slight edge going into the final three matches. So it's just as important, really, as, as the Indy match was in that way. And remember, Indy still has four left, too. So the Hounds have games in hand on Nashville, New York, and Tampa, but not Indy. And, uh, well, Louisville is a little too far back now. I'm not going to worry about them. They're seven points back of the Hounds as I look at it here. But, yeah, Indy's two points back. So uh, one would be good. Three would be great. I know that much. And uh, I know the players know it, too. So hopefully the adrenaline can keep carrying them. It's tough. I mean, I think prior to this Indy game, we've had a few stretches of three games in a week. And we've always sort of tripped up on that third game. And this was a case, again, against Indy where it felt like emotions were high. Everybody was jacked up for this game and ready to go. And so we came in, we put on a show. So I agree that the potential is there for a letdown against a team like Loudon. You look at where they are in the standings. You look at all the stats that we just threw out there. It's easy to look past this game. And hopefully that's not the case. So I think if I am worried at all about this game, I think that's what I'm worried about. It's it's part of that, you know, Riverhounds fan from years ago that's starting to creep back <laughs> in again where you just have that slight little worry. Josh, are you are you worried about this game? I mean, I'm worried about every game as always. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. But here's the other thing to keep in mind. This game will be an opportunity for the Hounds to be in first place without any competition. They, they will just be in first place. That, I got a feeling, is going to be a huge driving factor for the team. If you know, you're know you on that field and you know if you get that win, you are the top of the East that is a huge thing to be able to say and a huge motivating factor. So I do think the team is going to be focused on this game. They're not going to be looking past this game. And this is an opportunity for them to like kind of just finally get that, you know, you know, that time to shine in first place. So I would not doubt that this, this is a huge game for them. Yeah. And, and sort of just sort of thinking about, you know, we talked about sort of the quick rest, the quick turnaround. There were some players that, didn't you know basically got in off the bench 
Um, like James, you know, came on in the 78th minute against Indy. Mertz came on in the 80th minute that probably going to have a little bit fresher legs that you can start in this game. So it's not like, you know, we're going to be playing a whole bunch of, um, I don't even want to say backups at this point, because most of these guys have seen plenty of time. And that's one of Lily's things is that, you know, he wants to have a deep bench and, I know he said it last year, but it always sort of felt like you always knew who the first three off the bench were going to be in any game. And that's not the case this year. I feel like we have five, six guys that could come off the bench at any moment and really sort of make an impact in the game. So I'm nervous, but I'm confident. I think I think the guys can get three points out of this game. Um, Matt, what's uh, give us give us your prediction on this one? What are you thinking? 2-1. 2-1. I think they do concede, finally. But uh, I, I believe they build a 2-0 lead here, and they're able to to ride it out. And to your point there, Mike, Danny Rivera won the free kick that Nico Brett knocked <laughs> down. Um, Danny Rivera, he's one of the more unlikely guys, I think, to contribute. But he had a whale of a game as a rookie. So they really are deeper this year. You're going to see – I like Noah Frankie a lot. I think he's yeah. kind of the secret weapon with his pace on the wing. Uh, we're probably going to see him. Yep. I know that against uh, against Loudon. So it, it probably is going to come down to some of those guys. Ryan James was a late sub, so he's going to be back in there. But might be someone else beside Jordan Dover on the other side. So um, it will be rotation. Be ready for it. And uh, that's just what you have to do when you have a schedule like this and you're trying to get as many points as possible. So Matt says the streak ends at 7. Josh, score prediction for this one? I'm kind of going back to the other game, uh, 1-0. I, I feel like that is you know, the same blueprint and all that kind of stuff as Memphis and seeing what we can do there, we can do it here as well. Um, Pratzner makes me kind of happy we have him now. Yeah. Like that's going to be a, a good uh, starter for this game. Mertz being rested for the most part because he hardly played this game, I think is also going to be pretty awesome because, uh, yeah, that's where the goal came. So <laughs> yeah. let's uh, hopefully... Uh, we see another nice corner for Mertz in a uh, Greenspan, uh, another header. I'm going to split the difference. I'll say two nothing Hounds. Um, I think Valeski finally gets one. Um, not uh-huh. finally gets one, but I mean the guy. <laughs> the guy's been plugging away and been so close for the past few games. I mean, it felt like in that Nashville game, he had a couple chances where literally I felt bad. I had a sleeping kid on me, and I actually jumped up and was like Valeski, Valeski, when Kurt gave him that ball, <laughs> and it like trickled into the goalie's hands. Just like ugh. Um, yeah, I think I think well, I'll, I'll say two nothing, um, and then guys, you know, talking about this whole run, this this run of five games in two weeks, uh, or yeah, two weeks basically ends this weekend with the Hounds' last regular season home game of the season, which feels just insane to say, um, but against Atlanta United too. Um, Atlanta have been making some noise recently, so they beat Ottawa 3-2. to They drew 1-1 to with Tampa, which, again, is one of those top five teams we mentioned earlier. They beat the Battery 3-1, to which the Battery are always in it. They beat Indy 2-1, to and they drew 1-1 to with St. Louis, and St. Louis, again, are making that late push to really be one of the playoff teams. They're right on the bubble there. Um, I, this was a case where when they beat Indy 2-1, to I think all of us were just you know losing our minds a little bit midweek because that was the game that sort of predated the the indie match that we had. What are we thinking about this one? Josh, how are you feeling about, you know, Atlanta, sort of the end of the the five games in two weeks? Again, it's going to be the last regular season home game, so hopefully we're packing high mark for that. What are your thoughts on Atlanta? I'm I mean, okay, I was feeling pretty confident. I'm, <laughs> I'm realizing I'm looking at those those uh, score lines and I'm like, "Oh, crap." But again, this is another situation with a two team where you got to kind of look at what's going on in MLS. That's the exact same weekend as the final uh, of the season for Atlanta United. And they're sitting at 55 points uh, right below them is Philly at 55 points. So like there's there's, you know, important games afoot for them. Now, there's no way that they can get in first place because they're in second right now. Uh, but still, it's keep that in mind. That, that could have an effect that could be be who we see who we don't see and how much this game actually means to the team so i don't know i'm not overly worried but yeah now i'm a little bit more worried now and i I don't oh we can't lose we can't lose because it's a whole regular season of no losses at high mark you can't not the last game (laughs) not like this (laughs) it feels like this could be another one that everyone's jacked up for and you know thanks to mill or i was gonna say thanks to millhouse thanks to mls (laughs) everything could keep coming up millhouse um (laughs) In, in you know for the hounds matt what are you what are your thoughts on this one i think they roll atlanta um atlanta's unbeaten in five like you said 
back in June, I'm not sure I saw a worse team than Atlanta United, too. Yeah. Uh, in fact, even late into the summer, they just lost 5-0 to Birmingham not long ago. Um, they almost looked like they were throwing the game against the Hounds in June. It was bad. Some awful turnovers in their own end. And I'm not saying they're going to replicate that, but I feel like if you get on top of them, then you should be able to squeeze the life out of them. And um, they'll be going for something big. The Hounds will. An unbeaten home season hasn't happened in this league since 2015 when Lily's Rhinos did it, and I think the Charleston Battery as well. Richmond kickers were in there too. But it has been four years, and it could be Pitt, could be Indy, and could be Phoenix all doing it. So I guess we'll we'll find out. But uh, the Hounds will get there. They'll get the chance to finish it off first. So I think that means something here, and I think it means something to them in the end. And, and they'll have an extra day. Um, on the back end of this Loudon uh, game, so I feel good about it. I'm going to say three nothing or four nothing somewhere in that range. <laughs> three nothing for you know, yeah, no big not? deal. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Um, and something else to keep in mind is the fact that uh, they're not good away. They've only won one game away. Uh, they're one eight and six as yeah. far as that goes. So that's also a good sign for us. Um, so yeah, that that pep talk got me back in. I'm, I'm good. We're going to roll them. Yeah, what he said. Yeah, right. I was going to ask, you know, if there's if there's any chance in your mind that the Hounds don't finish the regular season um, without a loss at home. But based on what you both said, yeah, it sounds like, nah, we're, we're going to do it. Um, Dangerous one is loud, in my view, this week. Yeah. So that's the way I feel about it, at least. Okay. okay. Of course, they'll win 4-1 or something, and it won't matter. But, yeah. Right. <laughs> All right, well, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I can't go against you guys. I guess I'll say three nothing, four nothing against Atlanta, and it's going to be a party. And you know, Matt, you'll have to start getting ready for playoff games and calling playoff games at Highmark, which will be awesome. And I'm uh, psyched. I, oh man, I just I wanted them want them to clinch it so I can mark it down. You know, as the 26th or whatever that last Saturday is. So much fun last year, and yeah, chance if if they. Uh, I hate to look further down the road, but you said it already. So they could have all the playoff games at home, and that is. They were two, two and seven in mid June. <laughs> we were talking they were about will they make thirteenth the place? I know they had some games in hand on teams, but wow! Um, I was thinking just get in, and I think I like this team's chances. Now I'm thinking just win the whole Eastern Conference. <laughs> um, I like your chances. So it's amazing what's changed in three months. I, it'll be interesting. We I haven't done the math. Um, you know, maybe Justin and Steve. I know they're going to do a preview show here for the Atlantic game. Uh, we like to throw homework back and forth at each other. Guys, um, take a look and see at what point we could statistically, if things keep going our way, that we could lock down a top four spot. You know, and, and another easy task for you. You know, no big deal. Um, but I'm just wondering, you know, if the Hounds get six points this week and, you know, basically at that point will be what, 64 um, yep. At what point have we officially locked down based on the other teams that are up there and who they're playing and all of that? If there is a point prior to the last week of the season that we actually could lock down a top four and, you know, potentially a number one spot, um, that would be interesting to, to look at and know. So, well, um, that's what we think. Obviously, let us know what you think. Matt, it's always a pleasure having you, man. Um, for those who don't already follow you, which everybody should follow you, where can people follow you online? Where are you putting stuff out there? Plug yourself. Well, this is the hard part because you have to spell my last name if you want to find me on Twitter. Uh, it's Matt, M-A-T-T. That part's easy. Then it's G-A-J-T-K-A. I'm already 10 years down the line with this account. I'm not changing the name. Um, I'm 34 years down the line with this name, so I'm not changing that. <laughs> And uh, but I, I do write um, if you're interested in more hound stuff from me, I, I write a weekly column where I have been. We have midweek games. I don't do them. So I'm not going to have one this week. But next week, the view from the booth will be back on Pittsburgh Soccer Now dot com. And I'm going to try to do a, a post game show for the Loudon uh, matchup. Hopefully have either John Krasinski or Matt Grubba call in. And um, well, hopefully we're talking about a hound team that just rose to the hashtag top of the table. Um, unfettered, not tied with anybody. That would be something, and I think it would be something to to chat about. So I've been doing those um, when I've had the opportunity home and road. So yeah, uh, and, and Facebook, I'm also there, Matt Geica Media, if you are on that platform. So yeah, that's where you can find my stuff. Yeah, and can't say enough about the views from the booth. Absolutely love those articles. Those are fantastic, man. Like the, the... Cool, well, thanks. I, it's a good prep for me, actually. It, it, it works, um, or it dovetails in with my game preparation leading into a a home match. So I like that. And I just like to write too. I feel like writing and, and talking for me, they go hand in hand for some, maybe not, but, um, I think good 
good uh, speaking is good writing and vice versa. So it all goes together. And I'm just I'm thrilled to have this job, have this gig. This is my fourth year. We didn't do it in 2017 because they centralized it at the league office. Boo, we didn't like that very much. <laughs> Uh, but I've had so much fun with Paul and Gene this year. I feel like they're maybe my uncles or, I don't know, older brothers or something at this point. <laughs> and I hope it comes across. I, I hope this, uh, by the way, also, we can't do this game. We're all going to be tied up with other um, obligations this weekend. So we're not going to be doing the Atlanta game. Um, so we're hoping, hoping, hoping that we get that home playoff game together that we can uh, really celebrate the season because what a season it's been. And I talked about a payoff in the indie game. This season has been a payoff for longtime Hounds followers. I was there at, uh, at Bethel Park Stadium in 1999, and um, especially when Highmark came in, I just really locked in on the squad. So it's been a dream, and um, it looks like a happy ending is within reach. So uh, we're, we're, we're hoping that we can uh, ride along with that and, um, and enjoy it because um, just what we saw this past Saturday was, was a taste of uh, what could be to come here if, if we – if we get the results that we're looking for. I'm not going to top that. Uh, we'll let the professional <laughs> call us out there. So I'm just going to wrap this up. We got to say thanks to some people, you know, thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL and US soccer, custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Head to mongols.com. Here are all the shows that we put out, including the preview show that we'll have later this week, plus the full 90, which typically comes after home games. Apparently people love listening to it on their way home. We try to get them up as soon as they're done recorded. So make sure that you subscribe. Really? Wow. Yeah. Subscribe <laughs> on iTunes, uh, Google play podcast or wherever you listen, pocket cast, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And as soon as it's available, it'll pop up so if you're in the car sitting in traffic on the way home you might see a new show pop up you might hear yourself if liz has hunted you down and got you on there so definitely check that out otherwise matt again a huge thanks to you and thanks to everybody who listened let us know what you thought about this one and uh, we'll talk to you all very very soon later cheers